Hi, Carolyn. Welcome to Alternate Histories. Hi, Kevin. Lovely to speak with you. Thank you. Well, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. You are calling us from all the way in France, I believe. I am indeed a long way away, yes, but thankfully we've got a good line and it's nice to be in contact with you. Well, if you could, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your previous work. Sure. Um, I did, originally I'm from Lancashire in the northwest of England. I uh, went to Durham University and I did a PhD in history. Um, which I absolutely loved. That was probably the best time of my life and I gladly would have carried on in academic research, but I got rather elbowed into taking a graduate trainee job with a bank and I spent a few years sort of trying to get back to my first love, which is research and writing. Um, in 2014, I was offered a contract to write for a history publisher and uh, my great passion has always been the history of the First World War. So I was lucky I got opportunity to write a couple of books about different aspects of the First World War. Um, and then um, a couple of years ago, I got picked up by um, an agent and I got offered a contract to write fiction. So um, this is a bit of a new adventure for me. Um, I'm glad to be here. It's been rather exciting. Um, yeah, so it's a whole new world and I'm enjoying it at the moment. So is this your first novel? I previously wrote a novel um, for a specialist military history publisher, but they were just having a, a venture into fiction, which, as it ended up, it, it didn't roll. Um, they didn't carry on doing it. So, yeah, deep in my background, there was one more novel, but this is my first sort of proper novel out with a, a publisher, and yeah. All right. Well, you are the author of The Poppy Wife. If you could please give us just a short little elevator synopsis of what your novel is about. Sure. It's the story of a photographer who has, um, he's an ex-serviceman and he's travelled back to France in 1921 um, and he's making a journey along the former Western Front. Um, he's there to work. He has a commission to take photographs of war graves on behalf of bereaved families back in the UK. Um, but as he's travelling, he's also asking himself questions about his brother who was reported missing, believed killed in 1917. Um, Harry, the lead character, was there at the time that his brother was killed. He's certain that he saw his brother killed, but now a photograph has turned up which seems to show Francis, his brother, after the war in civilian clothing. Um, the photograph has been sent to Francis's wife, Harry's uh, sister-in-law. And so now she's asking herself all manner of questions about could her husband be alive? Is he still over in France? So she's set off on a journey too. So it's about Harry and Edie who are making parallel journeys through France and Belgium. Um, both of them asking themselves lots of questions. And it's about the moments sort of where their journeys meet and the revelation that they get then about what indeed has happened to Francis. Now, based on your research, did you find that this was a fairly common experience for people whose loved ones had gone and fought in the Great War? Absolutely. Yeah. There are, oh gosh, um, there are over 500,000 British and Commonwealth soldiers who have no known grave. So yeah, an awful lot of families found themselves in this situation of sort of not having the certainty of being able to go to a grave. And yeah, it's it's hard to imagine what that must be like, isn't it, really? Just sort of not having any closure, to use a modern term, not having sort of any sense of resolution and, yeah, living with those questions. So I thought that was an interesting scenario to put a character into and to explore. So, yeah. 
it wasn't that unusual, unfortunately, for them. Now, how did Europeans approach this, just with the scale of lives lost uh, in France? How did they approach memorializing um, um, fallen soldiers as well as the missing? Yeah, well, um, British casualties around 740,000 dead, um, French over a million. Um, so, yeah, exploring these years immediately after the First World War, it extends so widely that there are families who are grieving and every village, every school, every railway station, every hospital sort of comes together to express um, uh, its feelings of mourning for the people that it's lost. So, yeah, it's sort of it's, it's in the architecture all around us, really, over here in Europe. That sort of We're reminded of it all the time, really. Every time you go into the centre of a village or walk into a public building, those reminders are there and it's interesting to explore why those particular design choices were made at the time, what particular communities sought to express. And, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting subject because it varies very much um, in terms of, sort of the, the art that they choose to um, sum up their loss. So, yeah, it's an interesting subject to look at, I think. Now, what kind of research did you do for this book to uh, ground it in, in history? This particular book really came out of exploring um, my own great-grandfather's um, experience of the First World War. So um, as the model battalion in the novel, I took his actual battalion. So I started off with the Battalion War Diary, which was the day-to-day -day account of events. And then I was quite fortunate that for that particular battalion, I was able to also find personal diaries and letters um, and accounts written subsequent to the war. Um, so, yeah, so I really started off with all of those documents and managed to build up the layers. And then I also worked very extensively with photographs, um, very large collections of photographs in the possession of the Imperial War Museum and the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. Um, so, yeah, I sort of, I spent an awful lot of time peering up close at the photographs of devastated France after the war. And, yeah, it's hopefully will be sort of a sense of place that, that will communicate itself to people when they read the book, I hope. Can you tell us a little bit about your protagonist, uh, Edie? Um, who is she as a person? Um, Edie is quite strong, quite independent. She's also quite conflicted, though. Um, she loved her husband the war but then when he comes home on leave in 1917 she finds that he's a very different person than the person that left her two years ago um she finds it very difficult to communicate with him then there seems to be sort of a great gulf of experience between them and she doesn't know how to get across that um so when there is a possibility that her husband might be alive and when she's sort of investigating those possibilities um, she has a lot of difficult questions that she's asking herself. Does she, does she really hope that he's alive? What could their life possibly be like afterwards? Uh, which version of her husband will come back, the man she knew in 1914 or the man who she re-met in 1917 and didn't really recognize? So, um, yeah, she's a woman on a difficult journey through this novel, I think. Now, when we think of women at the turn of the 20th century, uh, we don't really think of them as having a lot of agency or a lot of opportunity to express independence um, like uh, Edie. But um, 
in your research? Is that something that we need to reevaluate? we tend to get a bit of a stereotype of the woman of 1914 as this sort of delicate flower and having written previous books sort of about the home front about women's experience of the first world war actually an awful lot of them were pretty tough and pretty feisty and independent and single-minded they knew what they wanted and they were going to get it so yeah i wanted to show like a bit of that personality which existed in large numbers then as it does now really and yeah so it's quite nice to show a stronger female in this kind of novel in which generally sort of you see quite sort of timid women and um, women that events happen to rather than being proactive. So, yeah, hopefully readers will bond with her and recognize aspects of her personality that they enjoy. So, yeah. Now, having written both nonfiction and now fiction, uh, how would you compare the experience of writing a historical novel to some of the other work you've done? It's a very di different process. I, I enjoy them both. Um, I enjoy getting into the detail of, uh, of non-fiction and sort of having the security of bullet points and sort of a certain, I know, support and sort of being factual and getting your facts right, whereas um, it's a lot more fluid writing fiction, if you will. Um, but then it's also much more liberating. Um, you can bend historical facts a little bit, hopefully not too much, but you can have a bit of fun with it. Um, it's quite nice to have a little bit of mischief in a novel, a, a, to test the rules slightly. Um, yeah, it's a very, very different process, and I've enjoyed it. And um, it's an interesting way to come at a historical subject, really, to try sort of to get inside the mindset of historical characters and look out through their eyes and really breathe the air of that period. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting process, and I look forward to doing it again, hopefully. Yeah, I, I like to think with the historical fiction I've read, it's um, education uh, just in a different way. I hope so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it too is an exploration of history and it has things to teach us, hopefully, and yeah, quite. Now, do you have any other um, irons in the fire or works coming up that you could uh, clue us in on? Um, after this one, for me, um, I, I've just finished another novel, um, that's with my UK publisher at the moment, and I'm just starting my third novel, so yeah, I'm, I'm on a roll now. <laughs> yeah, um, You are busy. I'm busy. I'm enjoying it. I mean, the most sort of set in the, in the similar background during the First World War and the aftermath of the First World War, because that is a subject I'm passionate about and I enjoy exploring, and there are lots of different aspects to explore, so yeah, hopefully people will buy the book and they'll let me continue, because yeah, I'm having a good time at the moment. <laughs> I'm glad to see that World War I is getting some of the attention it deserves. Um, you know, for the longest time, uh, you know, World War II has been the popular topic, um, but it seems that the last few years, there's been a lot of interest in World War I. Absolutely. I, I believe sort of the, the figures visiting the former battlefields and the war cemetery, they're, they're increasing all the time, and new books are constantly coming out, both nonfiction and fiction, and there does seem to be a public appetite for it, doesn't there? And yeah, I, I think that's good. It's we mustn't forget it because it does have relevance still for our own time. So, yeah, it's nice to see that interest is alive and hopefully that will continue for a long time. All right, Carolyn, and if someone wanted to um, find out more about the book, find, find out more about you and your work, where can they go? I'm on Twitter. You can find me at C. Scott Books on Twitter, and I also have a website which is also C. Scott Books, all one word. All right. Well, Carolyn Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to come tell us a little bit about your book. My pleasure. Lovely to talk with you, Kevin. I really appreciate your interest. Thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Alternate Histories and my conversation with author Carolyn Scott, author of The Poppy Wife. I wanted to add one small clarification because Carolyn got cut off there at the end. Her website, if you want to check out her books, is cscottbooks.co.uk. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you back here next time.